Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. We're talking some USC Trojan football with Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, harveyhyde.com. You can find all of our old episodes up on peristylepodcast.com. And we want to talk some USC Trojan football, getting close to the 4th of July Independence Day break. Then there'll be one month left until fall camp starts. So it's getting here pretty quick. If you have any questions or comments for us, podcast at uscfootball.com. That is our email address. Or if you'd like to call us, the number is 424-254-9141. You can leave a voicemail. Or if you'd like to text us on that number, you can do that as well. Well, let's talk to the coach and see what's going through his brain as this Trojan football team gets ready for the 2018 football season. What is up, coach? How you doing? Well, Coach, uh, I'm calling you Coach now nice. because I listen to you and everything else and uh, you and Dan and the rest of your um, things you have up on your website. And I'm telling you, I want you to know, uh, Ryan, you guys do a great job of coverage. You really do. And uh, I know all of us appreciate it. I feel uh, honored to be a part of your uscfootball.com. And I know all of our listeners out there feel the same way because without you, we really don't know what's going on because I don't attend uh, during the summer, the workouts, I, I can't, I can't imagine how you guys do that as far as like Dan going to every single trial and the Todd McNair, and then you going to every single thing for practice and Dan and your, uh, interviews after practice and all the different things you do for the football fans and alumni of, of USC. And not only that, I know for a fact that recruits watch it. I know for a fact the players watch it, that play at USC and other universities watch it. So it's a, it's a tremendous uh, tool as far as for football fans, student athletes, and everything. So I just wanted to pass that on to you before we get started. Well, thanks, Coach. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's um, the summer. It used to be my favorite time to kind of cover the team. Um, it's there, it's a lot more restrictive now than it used to be. It still could be out there. Um, right now we're, we're watching their summer workouts, their player run practices from across the street <laughs> up on the, the bleachers of Cromwell field. That's, it's pretty silly. Um, but whatever. I mean, a lot of schools don't, you don't get to cover them at all. Uh, but those were always fun for me, coach, because the players are very casual. Like you said, they love it. Like they would pose for pictures. Um, it was a chance that they were out there playing around and it was less practicey and more playing football in your backyard, you know, and it was a good, you know, they could work on their tempo and timing and all that kind of stuff and do a lot of competitive periods with one-on-ones. And, you know, I, I obviously football is changing. Um, you know, they're, they're restricting a lot more. I think they wanted to get away from some of those competitive periods in the off season. And these, these player run practices look like Regular practices, they go through their stretching lines. They do all the stuff that you would do in a practice, position drills, 7-on-7, seven 11-on-11. Seven, 11 11. It's not as much of a, hey, let's go out and have fun and, and compete against each other. Let's you and me one-on-one and, and see who wins. 
Um, but you know, that's what was fun for me and to see these guys in these casual situations. And I think you got to know them a little bit better and you could see like a few years ago when a Janie Harris came in, he came out and started playing wide receiver in these, these summer workouts. And he hadn't played wide receiver since he was seven, you know, seventh grade. Um, stuff like that is pretty fun. And I think when we're covering the team and you get to see this off season stuff, it really helps us when we're covering during the season, you know, and, and we could see some of the background of when a guy's making a play, you could, Oh, we, we can reference something that we saw in the summer. So it's still fun for me to cover these coach, but not as fun, not as fun as it used to be. It's a little more restrictive now. Well, that's part of it. Yeah. People get paranoid and they think you're going to steal something and, uh, and you know, really, or be critical or give out tips uh, about the team. Well, you know, there's nothing to be secret about anymore. You know, the kids call each other and tell each other. There's a communication uh, opportunity between all players. They start playing with each other or against each other uh, when they're in the ninth grade. I mean, here you have kids in the state of California. Can you imagine this? Almost 17,000 kids transferred schools this year. Holy crap. From one wow. school to the other. 17,000. Some two stand, uh, are some three at one year, different schools. I mean, from LaSalle to Arcadia High School, Long Beach Poly. The quarterback from Long Beach Poly goes to Narbonne. It's just a continuous rotation of, uh, of rotation as far as an opportunity where you feel you can be a star and make the best impression. So it's a whole different thing. And that's just one example, just in the state of California. Coach, I want to get, keep on that a little bit before we jump into the questions, but I wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. You can go to SoCalTix.com or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287. If you need tickets for anything, go to Southern California Tickets. Tell Curtis, Coach Harvey Hyde sent you and he'll take care of you. You want to go to a Dodgers game, an Angels game, or a play, or a concert, something like that, you can certainly do that. Go to SoCalTixTix.com or call them at 1-800-888-7287. Coach, I wanted to see, and you know, we probably talked about this before, um, what were these off-season summer workouts, the conditioning with the the strength coaches, because they can do that in an organized fashion, you know, they do that like four days a week. Um, that, that the strength coaches are the coaches that see these players the most on a more regular basis. But what, how important was that for you? Um, these summer workouts where the players would not only condition, but also throw the football around and, uh, and, and kind of try to stay sharp before camp would start. Well, I thought it was important that, uh, they form a team unity as far as with the returning players and the new players coming in. I think right now they do far too much. I was listening to Dan the other day on your podcast saying they go down, uh, they lift weights at 6 in the morning, they have conditioning, they run, then they go down and they get dressed, and then they come out and do this practice. You know, well, what is this all about? I mean, when do you rest? When does your muscles have a chance to recover? I mean, I think it's too much, and I think also – it's seeing the same person too much. I mean, you get tired of it before the season starts. I always felt that summer conditioning makes, meant summer conditioning, where you have uh, you go in, you stay in shape, you try to get bigger, faster, smarter, as far as you know, watching films, but not killing kids, not putting them at risk as far as an injury or anything like that, or just too much. I mean. Maybe a little teaching out there, throwing the ball around, just so you don't lose it. But keeping it casual, no pressure. 
uh, because they're going to have pressure when camp starts anyway. And I just think today on all levels, I'm not just talking about the collegiate level. I'm talking about that the NFL goes year-round now. College goes year-round now. High schools go year-round. Uh, I think it's too much for young people, for their bodies, uh, and everything else. There's a period of time that the body has to rest. And those muscles have to be relieved a little bit, and mentally especially. You have to have a time to recharge your batteries. So that's just my opinion. I think that by the time football gets here, half of these kids are worn out already. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, it's we cover it, and I think from being, if you want to, like, from a selfish standpoint, the more stuff the players are doing, the the prospects are doing, the more stuff we can cover, the more content we can put up, and it's great for all of you. It's great for our business. Um, and you know, we do a good job of it. So the more, the more opportunities there are to cover things, it's good. It's great for us, but I get what you're saying. I think there can be some sort of, of burnout. And I'm, I think one of the concerns, if you look at from, you know, just a few years ago, USC would do summer workouts. They did a lot more. They did a bunch in the winter between the end of, you know, whatever the bowl was and, um, and, you know, after signing day and before, uh, spring football would start and then they would do a lot in the summer, you know, after spring football, they, you know, the classes are over, summer starts and they're back out there. Usually the players that were veterans would go for a little while and then you would see the incoming freshmen come in sometime in June and work all the way up to fall camp. I mean, they might go three days a week sometimes. We were down there a lot and, uh, you know, covering these things. And I, you know, I, I get that they're doing less of them now, but they're more structured now. They're more, they feel more like real practices, you know, not with pads and things like that. Um, you know, even though they were, you know, they did more of them before, they were a lot more casual. So I'm not really sure what the the best way, but it certainly seems like it's shifting a lot. And I don't know. I don't know if there's there long-term effects that people get burnt out um, from doing this so much. I mean, when you're in high school, you're doing it all year round because, you know, if you're trying to get recruited, you want to you know, a lot of these players, not all of them, but a lot of them want to go to every seven on seven workout and every camp and, and things like that. Um, so it's, I, I get what you're saying, coach. I like covering all this stuff, but it has to be a grind on these guys. No, it really is. And, uh, you know, you talk about the high school kids going to all these different, uh, camps and so on. Yeah. It's nice to see them as a head football coach, but I'm not going to offer them a scholarship from what I see with them out of pads and stuff. I may now because of the uh, December commit, but I want to see what they do with a football uniform on. You know, you can look real good in shorts, t-shirts. You can put a basketball player out there and he might look pretty good. But he's 6'8", and you throw the ball up in the air and he can catch it, nobody can defend it. That doesn't make him a great football player or track guy because he runs right by everybody. Nobody can catch the football. So, you know, there's pluses and minuses of everything. And, you know, I'm the type of guy that wants to save it for football season. I want to get better with pads on. I want to get better when we hit people. So I want them to be fresh and want to get after it. I mean, during the football season in camp, I don't want to walk around in T-shirts and stuff. Hey, I want to hit people. I want to get my guy's shoulders ready. I want to get their legs ready. Uh, make sure the equipment fits properly, get them used to running with full pads, getting, you know, the whole practice, the whole process of getting ready for Saturday. And then as the season goes along, you see guys just letting up, 
going in shorts, this and that. Hey, that's not the way they're going to play on Saturday. you got to get after it. You've heard me talk about this over and over and over, so I'm not going to dwell on it. But i got to get better during the season, too. You know, I only have a chance to play only once on Saturday. But during the week, I get better for Saturday. So i got to practice during the week just as hard as the games are going to be. And uh, that's just my philosophy. You know, I'm not going to wear my kids out in the summer. I'm going to get them ready for the camp where we can really get better in camp. We can really get better the first week, the second week, the third week, during the week, and then let it explode on Saturday. That's my philosophy. But, you know, everybody does it their own way. Um, Okay, so a lot of the talk uh, is about JT Daniels. I was at their throwing session last night. Uh, or last evening, and uh, Matt Fink was the only scholarship quarterback throwing. JT Daniels was there, uh, did not throw. Jack Sears has has a class on Tuesday, so he can't throw. He only throws on Fridays. But we had a a question about JT Daniels from Don. I thought we'd kind of talk about him a little bit. He said, JT doesn't seem to be getting much respect from the football media, at least outside of L.A. Well, he's an incoming freshman. I, I think that's understandable. Other than being a freshman, what do you see as his shortcomings? He is certainly better than Jalen Hurts uh, that everybody loved. I, I I think it's hard to say, are you better, you know, an incoming freshman is better than someone that played. Uh, I think it's, it's pretty difficult to say at this point. Well, I agree with you. You know, uh, don't worry about what the people think. Just worry about what you're doing with your football program and worry about the kid. Uh, is he getting better? Is he getting used to it? And don't worry about what other people think. You know, you have that philosophy. Just do what we have to do. I mean, who cares what other people think as far as on the East Coast? If you line up and beat them on Saturdays, they'll certainly find out, Nuri, who's the quarterback or uh, watching it and, uh, and uh, you know, make a statement. But, you know, the kid's got all this reputation, so everybody wants to hear about it. And when he doesn't get raves, everybody gets upset. Why isn't he getting considered as a, a, the best quarterback in the country? He was Gatorade Player of the Year, and he's ranked only as the ninth quarterback. Hey, Phil Steele doesn't know everything. He's going to be on my show here coming down the road. Him and I are good friends. He just does his best. He, you think he's seen JT Daniels play? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I mean, he may have. And a lot of those articles, he doesn't do himself. He edits them and reads them, but he's a hard-working guy, and he's got a great magazine. But don't worry about all that stuff. A lot of that stuff is just for us to read and talk about and all of that different stuff. So, you know, I, I hate to see everybody uh, build him up so high that where does he go? How does he go any higher before the season? How does he get any better ratings? I mean, everybody's telling me how he throws this and throws that and does this and does that. Hell, when I go to practice, if, they, if he throws an incomplete pass, I'm like, what happened? <laughs> hey, leave the kid alone. Let him do his thing. Let him grow up. And I also talk about Matt Fink and uh, Sears and these other kids, you know. Uh, he'll, he, if he's the quarterback, he'll be the quarterback if they – teach him what he's supposed to do, and he's not playing at full speed. He's basically doing seven-on-seven, okay? Seven-on-seven. No pass rush, nothing else. Doing seven-on-seven. He's been great at seven-on-seven. The only thing, he's got better athletes surrounding him. So I think he's doing a great job, and he's working hard. Well, you know, let it all happen. Everybody wants all this praise and this and that, and what do you think of him? Then what do you think of him and all these different things, you know? Yes, see, uh, USC always gets the best athletes. So if they get the best athletes, they ought to win. It's just how you, you know, I used to say recruit them, keep them, 
focus them. And, and if you don't get the right athletes, it's our fault. So, you know, I really think that's what is going on with him. All right, let's uh, move on from the quarterbacks. We got Nick, Nick from Cyprus, a.k.a. Big Nick, 21 USC from the P. He says, what do you make of our two All-Americans on this team, Cameron Smith and Toa Lobendon? Do you think they deserve their spot? Will they live up to expectations? And is there a sleeper All-American on this team? Well, you know, they're preseason All-American, okay? Uh, let's go back to the magazines for recruiting purposes and so on. The sports information department at USC sends out stuff all the time telling everybody how good everybody is. That's part of their job and also to get them the Heisman Trophy and all the different things. It's marketing as far as for USC and for ticket sales and everything else. Now, there's no there's no doubt Cameron Smith's a great football player. There's no doubt that Port Augustine should have a great year or Toy Lobodon or or anybody else, okay? But you got to do it on the field. You can't do it in a magazine. You can't do it in a newspaper or what we think. You got to do it on the field. I think that if Lobodon isn't an All American, he certainly isn't playing up to his ability. I mean, here he is in his senior year. Uh, he's played three or four different positions, really, basically three positions. So it's not like he's learning a position. If anything, he has to learn is snapping the football a little bit better to the quarterback. But he's a good athlete. He's built exactly the correct side, size uh, for his center. Uh, he should be an All-American. He was recruited as that type of prospect. Uh, whether he is or not, time will tell. Cameron Smith definitely is a hard-nosed leader on the defensive side of the football, loves to hit you, uh, lines people up, is enthusiastic. And uh, depending how he plays, as if he's going to be an All-American. So, and how USC does has so much to do with who's an All-American. Very hard to be an All-American when you lose games. It's easier to be an All-American when you win games. So I think it's the success of the team on top of your performance that you do. But both of them should have the opportunity with what they've experienced, how much they've played, uh, to have that opportunity to be an All-American. It's tough to be an All-American. It is not easy. Um, so I, I mean, it's, it's hard to say who could end up being one. I mean, you could see like a Porter Gustin could get a bunch of sacks this year. He, you know, he's fully healthy. Um, I mean, a Tyler Vaughn's or a, a Michael Pittman, if one of those guys just end up getting a great connection, whoever the quarterback's going to be and puts up some huge numbers. I mean, it's not easy to do that. And there's not really, you don't look at this team and think of potential superstars, you know, um, I mean, there, I mean, I want to say I misspoke there. There's potential superstars, but there's no one that's like, oh, that guy's a bona fide star. You know, JT Daniels, who knows? He could be a bona fide star at some point, but not it, right now. You're not looking at a team that has a bunch of guys that are just these huge standout guys. Um, but there's so much talent. Many of them could emerge. So uh, I think anyone else would probably be a sleeper um, as far as being, a you know, considered an All-American. It's not easy. Uh, but they certainly have enough talented guys, Coach, I think, that, that one or two could emerge and end up getting that, you know, All-American honor. It could be. Could be. A guy uh, start having some great uh, uh, tackles or receptions or runs, and all of a sudden, yeah, they're out there in the focus. You know, television is such a big factor. And, uh, you know, we don't want to uh, 
talk about the Pac-12 network all the time. But it's very difficult with the exposure of the Pac-12 network to get any type of good publicity as far as for your great players or great teams. Yeah, there uh, we talked about that with Dan Weber a little bit on uh, Monday's show. And man, it's uh, USC, I think only right now is the UNLV game on the Pac-12 network. But there's other Heisman candidates in the conference. And a lot of them are going to be playing late night on Pac-12 network. Uh, it hurt Christian McCaffrey, certainly. Um, so yeah, there's, uh, there's certainly some, some issues there. Let's go. We got Jim, Jim B. He says, Hey guys, great work. This one is for coach Hyde. The offensive line got a lot of blame for the Ohio state game and probably deservedly so. Uh, but was it all the O-line's fault? They were sending a lot of people after the quarterback. When do you, uh, when you do that, you weaken yourself in other areas. Good play callers take advantage of those weaknesses. If Norm Chow in his heyday had been calling plays and any school tried to do what OSU did to USC, don't you think he would have made them pay a heavy price? I guess what I'm saying is that with the lack of a running game, all of the fault on the offensive line, was it all the fault on the offensive line or part of the blame on the play calling? Fight on, Jim B. Well, whenever you get behind and you get out of your rhythm, and you'd already believe you could run the football and you feel the front of Ohio State or any team like that is better than you, then the defense has got you exactly where they want you. They know you have to throw the ball and only one or two things can happen, an incomplete or an interception, uh, because the quarterback's aware of that and he's looking around and he can't make the reads and the decisions that he needs to make. He doesn't have as long. And uh, in a lot of cases, you don't get your backs out in the routes. What you got to do is uh, go to maximum protection when that happens and block area areas so you don't uh, just block a man. Maximum blocking and go one-on-one with your receivers against your best guy against their best guy. That's the best way. So it's uh, you've got to decide uh, what your uh, position is. Uh, are they better than us or not? And obviously, you know, USC moved the football. They did move the football. They had more yards in Ohio State, but they couldn't maintain the drive. They couldn't maintain the consistency when the field closed down on them as far as area to cover, then Ohio State's defense reacted. So, uh, you know, you got to be able, and, and I have to say this, and everybody knows this, the offensive line at USC has to get more physical. They have to be tougher. I mean, I don't want to see anybody fight anybody, but I don't want to see anybody back down from anybody either. And they need to to be a little bit more aggressive in practice and more aggressive in coaching and more aggressive in every way. You don't talk about being tough. You are tough or you aren't. And uh, I think that this is something that's a method of coaching. It's a method of an attitude of who you are. And I think the future a lot of times is getting defensive players that are mad all the time but have great skills is to put them on offense because they're mad all the time if you play defense. That's where you put your best players. So why not get uh, more of them and put them on the offensive side of the football because they've got that type of attitude. And I've talked about that before. And uh, so we'll see what happens with that. But uh, until you have confidence in your running game and people respect your running game, you're going to find that type of stuff. You're going to find that happening every week. It's going to come after you because copy, coaches are copycats. When somebody has success against you and you don't adjust, 
or you don't make big plays, then what are they going to do the next week, the next coach? We're going to do that, too. Let's see if they've learned how to stop that. And if they don't, then we're going to continue doing the same thing. So, uh, you know, uh, whether you win or lose, uh, everybody always got a reason or what went wrong. But I think it all starts in the trenches. It all starts with the offensive line and the defensive line, and then you go from there. All right, we got one last uh, question from our friend Tarek. This is kind of interesting. Uh, is it fair to think that Clay Helton may be USC's version of Mark Richt, a guy who wins a lot of games but never gets to the top? Of course, Mark Richt is the former Georgia head coach and now uh, at Miami. Well, I, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I, and how can you predict that? I'm not about to do that. I think a lot of it uh, is, is your surrounding cast on top of your program, which he has a great program, a great tradition, and your administration support, your fan support, your athletic director support, getting the right players, making sure you evaluate the players properly, and being lucky, too. And uh, I think these are areas of concern as far as when you look at the in, entire package of of who's behind the scenes of the USC Athletic Department. I'm not just talking about administration. I'm talking about who's your recruiting coordinator, who's all these other GAs, where have they come from, what do they know, are they seasoned people or are they beginners, are they willing to pay the buck for the top guy at these positions, or are they being cheap? I think all these things make a difference. You look at Alabama, there's no budget on their their athletic program or their football program, and they make no bones about it. You know, Texas A&M, hey, do they think they have a budget? They took the Notre Dame Elko's uh, away from the Notre Dame. He was making 1-3, and he's making 1-8 at Texas A&M. They take away the top golf coach, I think, possibly in the country, women's golf coach, Andrew Gaston, and they gave her a bank in Texas. I mean, you know, when they go after somebody, they're going to get them. And I think USC has to have a little bit of that arsenal, too, in their budget to get the top people as far as part of the program to give Clay Helton help. That's what makes you good. When you have a great uh, uh, support staff, a great administration, and people that know the importance of winning and not talk about winning, but give you what you need to win. And I've been in situations when they talk about winning, and I've been in situations when they care about winning, and they say you better win because you got everything that you want. Winning is so important, Coach. <laughs> um, I th- I mean, if you if you were to say that Clay Helton becomes Mark Richt, I mean, I don't think that's a bad thing. No, he didn't win a national championship, but you know he won a lot of games there at Georgia. Uh, Clay Elton's been doing that. He's you know been winning a bunch of games the last couple of years. I know USC fans would like to get over the top, um, and I think it's certainly different. There's no Alabama in in the Pac-12 that you have to that you have to get over. There's no hump like that to get over. If USC gets their ducks in a row, they have the talent. They should certainly be able to win the Pac-12 like they did last year. Um, then you don't lose a couple of those games you lost earlier on, uh, and then you're going to be in the college football playoff. So. Um, I think this we'll know a lot this year, Coach. I feel we really will um, because, you know, the three top performers on offense are all gone. Uh, what's this team really going to gonna be like? And, you know, is JT Daniels the savior? Who knows? But I think you'll know a lot more 
uh, year three, full year three for Clay Helton. And uh, we'll see. I just The fans are just all over the place on this one, Coach. They always seem to be. And uh, it's always making kind of comparisons, but it's always fun to talk about. Yeah, and you talk about Georgia, Mark Rick, and so on. Who do they hire, Georgia? Kirby Smart, okay? What program did he come from? He was taught by the master, okay? Taught him how to recruit. Taught him how to put a football program together. Did it all. Plus, Georgia gives him everything. Anything he wants, he gets. And it certainly showed. Now, Clay Helton, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Who did he learn from? Steve Sarkeesian, Lane Kiffin, young guys with their head football experience limited. Uh, so he learns from them. And uh, he's having to learn the hard way instead of learning with someone like Urban Meyer and becoming a head coach or something like that. So, you know, let's give him a chance and, and see exactly what's happened because he's having to do it the harder way, the more, more, most difficult way, and that's learning on the job, you know, uh, especially, you know, with the postseason, when you're getting ready for a bowl game and you practice type of opportunities at the Cotton Bowl or getting better be- before the game as far as having real good practices and different things, you know. He's learned the hard way, and, uh, and that's that's difficult for a young coach to do. People think that Clay Helton's uh, been around. He's got a lot of head coaching experience. He's got to get it done right away. Well, wait a minute. I don't know how old he is. He's in his mid-40s. But where has he coached? What experience and who's taught him? Everybody's got to look at all of that before you start comparing him to other programs such as Georgia and Kirby Smart and what those guys have learned from, and who they've learned from. Yeah, I think when you hire someone that doesn't have any experience as head coach, you expect a learning curve. You expect growth. And I think that's what, you know, the, the USC fans that have been supporting him, that's what they want to see, you know. And I think the USC fans that don't support him, maybe they don't want to see that because they won't, don't want to be wrong. But you have to expect uh, a younger or inexperienced head coach to, to grow. And uh, I think, you know, year one to year two, you expect a lot. You're going to expect a lot from year two to year three. I think you learn some things and – uh uh, you hope you don't make the same mistakes again, and we'll see. I mean, I think the schedule is tough early with the the two hard road games, but um, you know he showed the ability to beat Stanford a couple of times last year. Uh, you know, beat Texas last year. So I mean, they're, they're certainly winnable games. You win those two games on the road, and you start off like three and zero. I think the expectations change, and I think people's opinions will change. A lot of people are just looking at those two road games early saying, yeah, that it's not really set up real well for USC. But if Clay Elton's able to, you know, rally the troops and get wins there, now you got two of the tougher games on your schedule out of the way early on, and uh, you can roll a little bit. I agree with you. I think the one thing that uh, coach has got to learn, and I would tell him if I talked to him, surround yourself with guys that can get it done for you. And what he's done, and nothing against who he's hired as assistant coaches, but he's elevated more like family members and people that uh, have been young GAs, like the quarterback coach. I think he'll do a great job, but he's coaching JT Daniels. I mean, how how is he going to relate to that, and how is he going to get him ready, and uh, how many other guys has he done that to? Is he a Heisman Trophy coach? Has he coached a Heisman Trophy winner? Has he... Uh, has, does he have the experience that Norm Chow had when these guys came in? Carson Palmer and all these guys? I don't think so. 
So, again, that's all on Coach Clay Helton as far as his responsibility to have a staff that can develop these kids to compete at that level. So I'm not saying that that responsibility is not his. That is his responsibility to do, and he's got to be able to do that because if you have any weakness anywhere in your program, it certainly shows. All right, Coach. Follow You can follow the coach on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. You can go to his website, harveyhyde.com. Of course, our website's parastylepodcast.com and, you know, the main, the mothership, uscfootball.com. So lots, lots of websites there for you. But, Coach, thanks so, so much for coming on, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, buddy. Take care. All right. You too, Coach. That's the Coach Harvey Hyde. I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Parastyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.